Thank you so much, Brother West Morgan. Let's praise God for him. Thank you for blessing us with your voice and your music today. You've been blessed. You've been a blessing to us. God bless you. God bless you. I want to speak today on being a mother in the midst of adversity. Anybody in here know anything about adversity? Say those words after me, please. On being a mother in the midst of adversity. While you stand, I want to read from Genesis chapter 16 and verse 8. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, you're pregnant, and you shall bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He'll be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his Brethren, then she called the name of the God who spoke to her, or the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Then Genesis 21 and 14, where the Bible says, and so Abraham rose early in the morning, took a skin a bread, took bread and a skin of water, and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. And then she went and sat down across from him a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the voice of the lad. And then the angel of the Lord called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went filled the skin with water, and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. On being a mother in the midst of adversity. Please be seated. Abram had been promised by God that he was going to father a son and that Abram's seed or offspring would be as the stars of the sky, as the grains of sand on the seashore. Many years went by. Abram, who would later be called Abraham, and his wife Sarah was still without a child. They had not yet had a son. 
By the time that Abram was 86 years old, Sarah decided that this plan doesn't seem to be working out very well. I'm in my 80s. Abraham is 86. Sarah decided that God needed some help. Look at your neighbor and say, God doesn't need any help. But Sarah said, I'm going to help God. But any help you ever give God must conform to God's will, both in reference to the means and to the end. Anything you do for God should be according to the will of God. You don't accomplish right by doing wrong. Any help we give God must be given according to the word and the will and the command of God. You don't decide to get pregnant, have a child without a husband, just because you're getting old. Say, I can't, after a while, I'm not going to be able to have any children, so I'm just going to find me somebody and have a child right now. That's a no-no. Look at your neighbor and say, no-no. You don't become romantically involved in order to win a soul to Jesus Christ. Well, I'm trying to win him to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I thought if I dated him and courted him, then he would be one to the Lord. No, he won't. You don't become sexually involved in order to get a husband or to get a wife. You don't have to do that. God can provide you a husband that you can live with and that it won't be going upside your head. place yourself in an excessively compromising position trying to show the love of God. Don't put yourself in a predicament that you can't handle in a righteous and godly manner. If you're going to be saved, if you're going to love the Lord, then you can't uh, put yourself in some predicaments because uh, cozy dinner by candlelight in your apartment frilly clothing and skimpy clothing you're going to set some wheels in motion that won't be spiritual wheels God protects where God directs God provides where God guides will somebody say amen when you get outside of God's will, you're on the devil's territory. And when you get on the devil's territory, the devil will say to God, listen, I, I, didn't, I wasn't bothering them. They came over here on my territory. You can't stop me from doing what I want to do. And the devil is a roaring lion. He goes to and fro seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. And if he can get you to play by his rules, he can destroy your life. Young lady called me crying, wanted counsel, came to the office. Bishop, I don't know what happened. I was witnessing to this young man, telling him about the Lord, and 
He said he wanted to study the Bible and know more. I invited him over to my house and I was talking to him about Jesus and, and he started crying and laid his head on my shoulder. Pastor, I don't know what went wrong. I know what went wrong. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his, his what? His, and all these things shall be added unto you. The biblical character Joseph had every reason to compromise with Potiphar's wife. He was a slave. He had no rights. Potiphar had trusted him and elevated him to high office. Potiphar's wife had eyes for Joseph and invited Joseph to bed, and Joseph said, no, th no thank you. Uh, uh, my boss has been good to me, and I, I will not dishonor him, our God, by compromising and becoming sexually involved with you. And, and she was persistent, and finally she grabbed Joseph, and Joseph slipped out of his coat and ran away, and then she accused Joseph of rape. Anybody would have said, Joseph, listen, save yourself the trouble, go along with the program, uh, it'll come out all right. But Joseph held to his righteousness, even though he was thrown in jail on a false accusation, went through all kind of trouble, all kind of ordeals, but when God got through, I saw Joseph as the vice president of the nation of Egypt, standing regally in his power, in his righteousness. Listen, I see you standing regally in your righteousness, in your power. When you stand solid, live safe, hold on to God, God will elevate you. I said, does anybody know God knows how to elevate you? <clears throat> hold on to righteousness. Don't try to accomplish a good goal by an unrighteous method, strategy, or behavior. Sarah had a slave by the name of Hagar. And Sarah decided that Hagar should be given to Abram as a secondary wife. He said, I, I can't have a baby, <clears throat> so I'm going to let Hagar have a baby for me by Abraham. And that was the worst decision she ever made in all of her life. No sooner had Hagar become pregnant than she began to develop an arrogant attitude. She strutted around in front of Sarah as if to say, you couldn't have a baby, but I'm going to have one. You fail, but uh, I'm not going to fail. In this, Hagar was wrong. She was wrong because the Bible says that God resisteth the proud but he gives grace to the humble. And that's a signal to somebody to stop walking around with your nose in the air, feeling you so, all of this and all that, so much greater. God has a resistance to that kind of spirit, but when you're humble and lowly, submitted to the will of God, the power of God, God exalts you. We suffer justly by those whom we sinfully indulge. And God sometimes makes to be the instruments of trouble whom we have made instruments of sin. The very person you let 
pull you away from God, thinking they're going to give you joy and peace and fulfillment, happiness and prosperity, is the person that will bring terror, horror, pain, and suffering into your life. Everything that looks good ain't gold. Everything that shines is not a diamond. Everything driving a Rolls Royce ain't rich. They're trying to repossess the thing. They're trying to take it back now. Everybody that's flashing a big bunch of bills doesn't have $100 bills all the way through. They just got a $100 bill on the outside and $1 bills on the inside of the road. <laughs> Sarah became angry at Hagar and began to abuse her and treat her harshly. May I pause to say there's safety and security in holiness. Living right is the way God would have us to live. And when we live according to the will of God, the plan of God, the will of God, the, the word of God, God has a way of bringing about our victory, our success. God has a way of surrounding us. We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the call according to his purpose. When you walk in God's purpose, God runs interference for you. God is a shield for you. God blocks for you and helps you to get where he would have you to be. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So Sarah became angry and began to abuse Hagar. Things reached the point where Hagar felt um, that her treatment was intolerable and she could not stand it anymore. And even though she was pregnant with Abraham's child, she ran away from Abraham's home into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, she faced trouble and distress while there in the wilderness. If her attitude had been different, her treatment would have been different. But the name Hagar means flight, to flee. And this is how she dealt with her problems. When there was a problem, Hagar would run away. She would flee. And this is the way many people deal with their problems. They flee from them. They run away from them. They try to escape them rather than facing them and dealing with them. But she ran into the wilderness, and the wilderness was no place for a pregnant woman. No place for her to be alone. No way she could sustain herself or feed herself or care for herself. But all she wanted to do was get away from a situation, so she ran away. In the wilderness, the angel of the Lord came to her and said to her in Genesis 16 and 8, Where have you left and where are you going? And that's the kind of question we all need to ask ourselves about our lives, about our situation about our future, about our plans. What are we trying to get away from and where are we trying to go? What goals, what objectives, what aims do you have? How are you going to reach them? Where are you going to reach them? Hagar had not thought about that, but the angel asked her and would ask us, where are you trying to go? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? What you do should comply with and be in accord with your goals and your objectives. The strategy and the pathway you choose ought to be determined by what you want to do with your life, where you want your life to turn out and come out in the end. It was revealed to Hagar by the angel that if she would submit, go back and submit to Sarah, that that would enable her to have a place of provision and a place of protection until the child was older. 
And if she would obey in this regard, she would be blessed. And thus Hagar returned home. And these incidents are described in Genesis 16. But now, 14 years later, we learn in Genesis 21 that Abraham has now reached the age of 100. And God has blessed him to have a son by his wife, Sarah. Hagar's son had inherited his mother's arrogant attitude. And when her son Ishmael saw Sarah, 90 plus years old, pregnant, he laughed at her and made fun of her. And Sarah, of course, became angry again, not only at Hagar, but also at Ishmael, Hagar's son. And she said to Abraham, get those folk out of my house. Send them away. I don't want to ever see them again. I know Ishmael is your son, but I'm your wife. I'm about to have your son. Get them out of our lives. Get them out of our home. Get them out of our world. Abraham, I suppose, might have tried to uh, discuss the matter with Sarah, but Sarah would have none of it. Hagar and Ishmael were driven away from the home. She was sent away with a young son, and Abraham gave her a little bread and a little water. She'd been there for years. She'd had a son by Abraham. Abraham was responsible for his son, but Abraham sent her away with a little bread and with a little water. Now, that's unfair. That's inappropriate. That is too little, too late. Abraham should have done much more. That was his son. He should have provided for his son until his son was able to provide for himself. I can't get nobody to say amen. Y'all afraid to talk about Abraham? And I make that point just to let you know that there are some men in the world who are just like that. Can't get no amens? Use you, drop you, and forget about you. Have a pocket full of money and 45 months behind on their child support. I wish I could get somebody to help me. Uh-huh. If you've got a child anywhere on the face of the earth, that's your child. And you ought to provide for that child. If you've got a child, brother, that was born down there in Mississippi before you, you know, left, and you left the poor young lady and that child to make it on their own down there in Mississippi. You out here in California acting big and beautiful, got expensive suits and alligator shoes and drive. You, if you have a bite to eat, that son ought to have more than enough. If you've got clothes on your back, he ought to have clothes on his back. As long as you've got a dime in the world, that child ought not go without. Somebody help me, praise God. Take care of your children. Brothers, take care of your children. Are you hearing me today? Hagar was in the wilderness with just a little bread, just a little water. After a while, the water ran out and the bread ran out. The sun intensely beamed down upon them. They were suffering from dehydration. The young man became sick and was at the very point of death from thirst. 
Hagar couldn't stand to hear the child cry, so she left the child under a bush. She went far enough away about a bow shot so that she could not hear the child cry. And Hagar lifted up her voice and began to cry and call upon the Lord. These two experiences, the first while she was pregnant and then 14 years later again in the wilderness represent being a mother in adverse circumstances. Would you not say that Hagar was a mother under adverse circumstances? She was, and now many today are, a slave. She was a slave. We're not be, you might not be enslaved what she was enslaved to, but you're still, many are still slaves to drugs, slaves to passion, slaves to inappropriate relationships. She was a slave. Adverse circumstances. She didn't have any resources. Adverse circumstances. She was unloved. Nobody cared about her. Adverse circumstances. She was a single parent. She was in a hostile environment. She was involved in a multiple relationship. Alienated from the father of a child without a husband, without adequate food, without medical care. Adverse circumstances. But every mother is a mother in the midst of adverse circumstances. I said every mother faces adverse circumstances. Trouble in the home, trouble in the relationship, trouble in the marriage, trouble with the children. And even if good things are good within the home, there are untold hazards and dangers outside the home that constitute adverse circumstances. It amazes me and troubles me to see people raise their children, provide for their children, educate their children. Their children get 14, 15, walk down the street and some fool member of a gang blows their brains out. All of the labor, all the sacrifice of that parent has been made, but it's all wasted by one gunshot. Hostile environment. Are you all with me today? Drugs, crime, gangs, immorality, sexual perversion, violence, all of these things are assaulting the home. And every mother is a mother in adverse circumstances. But not only is every mother a mother in adverse circumstance, everybody on this earth faces some kind of adverse circumstance. Everybody who knows you've got some kind of trouble, lift up your hand and witness to the fact everybody has trouble. So I'm preaching to the mothers today, but I'm also preaching to everybody. I want to talk to you about what you can do, how you can survive your adverse circumstances because everybody has them. But it is in the lion's den and in the fiery furnaces of life, out on the stormy seas of life, that great faith shows up. I said it's in trouble and distress and disturbances that great faith has a way of showing up. In both of Hagar's wilderness experiences, in both of the times of trouble, God showed up. And so I want you to assure your neighbor, God will show up in your time of trouble. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. And when it really gets rough, God steps in. If you don't have a problem, you don't need a miracle. But when you've got trouble and when you've got problems, if you will call on God, God knows how to step in. Hallelujah. First, even in adversity, God stepped in. And then God made great promises to Hagar regarding the potential of her son. 
Many descendants in Genesis 16 and 10 were promised to Hagar. The angel said to Hagar, listen, your son is going to be the father of a great nation. God is going to give him descendants like the stars of the sky. And then it was also promised that he would be bold, that he would be fearless, that he would be fearless and, and fearless, and that he was going to be a strong and an aggressive warrior. God promised that to Hagar. Your son is going to be a fighter. He's going to be a warrior. He's going to be fearless, and he's going to be fearless. He's going to be a mighty man on the earth. And then she said, he's going to dwell securely in the land, Hagar, 16 and 12, book of Genesis. He's going to be the father of a great nation, Genesis 21 and 18. God made promises to her. And I just came by to tell you today that in your adverse circumstance, God has made you some promises, and God keeps his promises. Come on, clap your hands and praise God for that. The prophecy that God gave to Hagar was not only a prediction, it was also a direction and guidance for her regarding what she should prepare the child to become. Listen, find in the word of God what the Bible says about your children and then prepare your children to become what the word of God says they're going to become. Don't tell your child you're no good, you're not going anywhere, you're not going to be anything. Tell your child, I've accepted the word of God on your life. You're going to be somebody great. You're going to do something great. You're going to lift your world, your society. You're going to encourage people who are around you. That's the promise God made me. That's the promise I'm going to hold on. I'm going to guide you and direct your life to become what God intends for you to be. Listen, mothers never become discouraged by adversity. God made you some promises regarding your children's potential. God said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. When the hell is breaking out in your house and your children are going crazy, begin to say, Lord, I'm believing your word. You said that what I desire, you were going to give it to me if I would believe. I'm holding on to you for righteousness, for godliness in the life of my children. You're going to protect my children. The gangs will not have my children. Bloodshed will not have my children. The jail will not have my children. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to hold on to my child. Train them. Prophesy over them. Prophesy over them. Anoint their beds with anointed oil and believe that God's going to take charge of their lives. Amen. My boys were coming along kind of rough and Sister Lady May went in the bedroom with some anointed oil and anointed the walls and anointed the doors and prayed for her sons. Now both of them are preaching and sharing the word of Almighty God. In her adversity, God showed up. In her adversity, God made some promises regarding her children. But also in her adversity, she learned a new name for God. An additional name for God, El Roi, the God who sees me, the God who sees, God who is looking at me. And listen, the fact that God is looking at us ought to affect how we live our lives. God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. And then he observes us and perviews us. And he sees everything we do. Not only what we do, he sees what we think. God knows our thoughts and the intent 
of our hearts. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So Hagar might well have said, you see my sin, you see my failure, you see my sorrow, you see my sincerity, you see my backsliding. God not only sees you, sees through you, knows all about you, but then that thou God sees me also would be taken as God, you are watching out for me. Not only do you see me, not only is my life under your uh, vision and purview, but you're watching out for me. You're, you're taking care of me. And isn't it good to have God watching out for you? He's a shield for you. He's a protector for you. He's a way maker for you. He's watching out for you. And sure enough, God watched out for Hagar. And I've just come by to tell you, young lady, young man, you might feel all alone, all in trouble, all in the midst of distress, as if you cannot make it. But tell your neighbor, God's watching out for me. You know he's watching out for you. Any one of you could stand and give a testimony where you are not supposed to be on this earth, but God watched out for you. God stepped in when you needed him. God brought you out when you could not make it. God made a way out of no way. When other folk fail me, when adversity is all around me, God will look out after me. God will take care. Be not dismayed whatever betide. God will. I said God will take care of you. She learned a new name for God. God is watching out for me, El Roi. And also in the wilderness, she learned not to worry, but to trust in the promises of God. While she was screaming and crying, the angel showed up and God in Genesis 21, 17 said, what's wrong with you? Fear not. There was everything to be afraid of. Nothing to eat. The beast of the wilderness all around dying of thirst and starvation. And God showed up and said, fear not. When God shows up, there's no reason to fear. Will you tell your neighbor when God shows up? There's no reason to fear. God rebukes us even today. Be still, my soul. Hope thou in God. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you've taught me to say, it's well, it's well with my soul. Would you please tell three people God said it's going to be all right? God said it's going to be all right. Your children may seem to be dying, but God said, don't lose hope. It's going to be all right. Jesus died on a cross. Nothing is more hopeless than that. He died in the dark sorrow of the moment, but on the third day morning, God raised him up. If God could raise Jesus up from the dead, God can deal with your problem. Tell your neighbor, if God raised Jesus, he can deal with your problem. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Don't be afraid. God has shown up. God is with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? God showed up. Said in Genesis 21 and 18, make strong your hand on the child. Arise, lift up the lad. Hold him in your hand. Listen, make strong your hand on your children. Does the plight of your children seem to be hopeless and troubled? Listen, you grab hold of them and don't you let them go until they accept Jesus Christ and start walking in the way of Almighty God. 
Don't let them do what they want to do, go to church when they want to know. Honey, you're going to church today. And you're going to hear that little ugly preacher preach. And you're going to hear the word of God. And you're going to, uh, as long as you're under my influence and my control, God told me to make strong my hand on you. And I'm just not going to let you go. You're not going to join the gang. You're not going to not study and mess up in school. You're not going to drop out. You're not going to ditch school. You're going to do what's right because I'm here to see that you're going to do what's right. I'm glad I had a mama that did not take any stuff. You talking about make strong her hand or the stick or the strap or whatever she could get in her hand. She made it strong on my behind and kept me in the way, in the will, until I decided, God, I'm going to do your work. And you wouldn't have been here without mama keeping you straight and making you go to church, bringing you into the will of the Lord, telling you what's right. Make strong your hand. Don't you give up. Don't let the world and the police have your child. You take charge of your child. And in the name of Jesus, hold on. Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And tell your child, I'm going to let that Holy Ghost power take charge of me and you. Come on and praise God. In her adversity, God said, make strong your hand on the child. Don't stand by while your child dies, while your child is destroyed. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Listen, we are in a war for the lives of our children. Sin and evil and wickedness is sweeping the world, but not in my house, not in my life. God, I'm going to take a stand for you. And my children, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Clap your hands and give praise to God. I'm almost through here. I'm almost through. In adversity, God gave the child a name. He said his name is going to be Ishmael, which means God shall hear, or whom God hears. Give your child the name that God hears because I'm promising you by the name of the child that when he cries out to me, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there to help him. I'm going to be there to guide him. Isn't it wonderful that we can be so related to God and have so much faith in God that our children may be halfway somewhere around the world beyond our reach, but God is there. God said, you might not be there, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to hear the voice of your child. I pray that God will protect those of you who've got young people in the armed forces around the world. May God sustain them and keep them. Listen, your faith will keep them alive. God said, call unto me and I will answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Has anybody ever called on God and found the answer, found the way out? But finally, finally, in the wilderness, not only did they get promises, not only did God show up, not only was God revealed as a God who sees, and, and Ishmael was revealed as one whom God would hear, not only did God make promises, not only did God show up and work miracles for them, God raised up a fountain in the middle of their wilderness. They were on the verge of starving to death. They had no water. They were dehydrated, on the verge of dying. But God said, look over there. I'm going to open your eyes, and you're going to see something you have not seen before. I've got a well out here in your wilderness that's just right for you. I've got a fountain 
that I prepared just for you. And some of you feel today that you might be in a desert. You might be all by yourself. No way out, no way over. But God already has a well, a fountain in your desert. Will you tell your neighbor, God already has a fountain. He already has a well in your desert. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. God has already made a way for you. God has already opened up a door for you. You might feel that there's no hope, no way, no way out, no way over, but God has a fountain in your desert, a fountain of living water, something that will sustain you, will bless you. And let me tell you what the fountain is. Jesus said, if any man believe on me, out, uh, as the scripture have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And so Jesus says, I am your source. What you don't have, I'm bringing into your life. What you're doing without, I'm going to make a way out of no way. Would you help me praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Clap your hands and praise him. God said, I'll be there when there's nothing, when everything is dry and brittle. I'm going to show up. You'll have more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. God showed up. He brought water out of nowhere and provided for the child and provided for the mother and every promise God made, God performed it. You may be in adversity. You may be by yourself, but God will make a way somehow. I know what I'm talking about because he's made a way for me and I know he'll make a way for you. Tell your neighbor, yes, he will. Tell him again, yes, he will. Put your hand in the hand of God. God will step in. God will bring you out. God will bring you over. We face adversity. We face trouble. We face distress in this world in which we live. There's trouble and discord all over the world. Every time we pick up the newspaper, there's something that brings us to dismay and to discouragement. But just like God showed up in the life of Hagar, God has shown up today in this room, in this place. We're struggling and sometimes we've not done all that well. We look back on our lives and see trouble and distress and even sometimes failure. And we men probably owe many of you ladies an apology because we've not always been everything we should have been. We've not always done everything we should have done. Sometimes we left you alone to fight the battle all by ourselves. But let me on behalf of all of the men apologize to you. We could have done better. We could have stood more solid. We had our ghosts and our spirits and our demons and we pulled through it. But thank God we're where we are right now. And by the power of God, we can walk on to victory in the name of Jesus. In your trouble, God is there. 
in your distress, God is there. In your desert, God says, I'm a fountain of living water. Come on and consume it. Come on and receive it and go higher in the name of Jesus. Hagar cried and God brought her out. God brought her up. God brought her over. And I see God doing great things in your life. I see miracles. I see blessings. I see good things. I see a higher level and a closer walk. I see God taking charge of your life. I see God turning things around, turning things around, turning things around, turning things around. Help me praise him. Stand up and praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you grab one person by the hand and tell them, neighbor, it's my time for a turnaround. Come on, tell somebody else. It's my time for a turnaround. Would you praise God? Praise him. Your finances are turning around. Your relationships are turning around. Things on your job are turning around. That boy you're worried about is turning around. Hold on to the promise. Praise God for the promise. Tell somebody it's turning around. Turning. Oh. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise him. Praise him. God has shown up in your storm. God has shown up in your trouble. He makes you promises. You learn new things about him. He makes you promises. He shows up in a mighty way. Your life is changed. And he puts a fountain in the middle of your desert. He protects you and shields you. God protect your people. Bless every mother who hears my voice. Encourage her heart. Let her know she's not alone. You show up in her trouble. And you bring rivers into her desert. Bless that brother, that man today. That we might all conform to your will, to your plan for our lives. You've made us a great people. You've given us a great future. The devil would destroy it. But we put our hand in your hand, knowing, dear God, that you're going to carry us higher and higher by your power. Now, brother, my sister, walk in the power of God. Walk in the mercy of God. Walk in the grace of God. Walk in the promise of God. In the name of Jesus, you're made for victory and not for defeat. You're not to fail. You're to overcome. The blessing of God is on your life. In the name of Jesus, thank the Lord.
I want to pray for somebody who does not know Jesus. I want to pray for somebody who's not saved, whose sins are not forgiven. I want to pray for somebody who's concerned about where you are going, the destiny of your family, of your children, of your future, concerned about your life. Facing this adverse circumstance, so much in the world to trouble our hearts and our minds, to bring distress to our spirits. But how many of you feel like you heard from God today? God has spoken. God's concerned about your life, concerned about your destiny, concerned about your well-being, the well-being of your posterity, your future, your heritage. Every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven today. Through Jesus Christ, you can not only be forgiven and saved, but your life can be taken to a whole new level. Where have you been? Where are you going? What is your destiny? What is your future? Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life that more abundantly. And many of you must admit the life I'm living is not the life Jesus had in mind for me. I know there must be something better, something more. Yes, there is something better, there's something more, and it's in Jesus Christ. He stands guard over his righteousness and those who would walk in him. And he fulfills their destiny and brings to pass his will. You can be saved. Every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven. Jesus can become Lord of your life. If you don't know him, you can know him today. If you would know him, I'll pray for you right where you stand, right where you are. Every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven. Your life can be made new in the blood of Jesus Christ. Every head is bowed. If you would say, preacher, I need God. I want God to be guide and director of my life. I want to be the person he would have me to be, and I want to walk the road that he would have me to walk. Because I know that that's where his blessing is and his support and his protection is. I want Jesus to be my Lord. Would you pray for me? Yes, I'll pray for you. I'll know you desire prayer if you would just lift your hand as your way of saying, Preacher, I need prayer. I need God. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be sure that things are well between me and God. If that's you, lift that hand and hold it high now. I see those hands. There are at least 20 more of you that need to lift your hands quickly. Do it quickly. Keep those hands lifted. Do not lower them. Dear Lord, forgive me. I want to walk with you and live for you. Have your blessing and power on my life. Lift up those hands, please. In the balcony, the Spirit of the Lord is reaching out to you. This is your day, your time. Time for a change. Time for forgiveness. Time for a lifting of the burden of guilt. Time for a redirection of life. Time to connect with Almighty God. Lift up those hands, please, in the name of Jesus. I'm about to pray. Just one more minute. Get your hands up if you want to be included in this, in the name of Jesus. Dear Lord, I pray for every individual in this room that does not know you. Thank you, dear Lord, that you've brought them into your house. Your word has been proclaimed. You've shown us who you are and what you will do. You've let us know, dear Lord, that left alone, our lives will only be confusion and trouble. But if we will put them in your hands, 
you will make our lives victorious and effective and productive. Thank you for being God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Dear Lord, we pray, forgive our sins, set us free, change our lives, draw us to you today in the name of Jesus. Everybody repeat this prayer after me, please. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you, Lord. I am forgiven. I thank you, Lord. I am saved. I thank you, Lord. I have new life. Clap your hands and give praise. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for changing my life.